Welcome to the Pittsburgh Current Podcast on a rainy day in Beachview. I'm Pittsburgh Current editor and publisher Charlie Deach, and um, we are coming off of our um, Democratic, or well, I guess everybody had a primary last week. You know, I paid attention to most of it. Um, but two no, two things of note in last week's uh, election, there were two races where a challenger ousted an entrenched incumbent. In Allegheny County Council, Bethany Hallam defeated 20-year uh, year incumbent John DeFazio for county council's at-large seat. And in Pittsburgh City Council, Bobby Wilson, who is now the presumptive Pittsburgh City Council for District 1 on the north side, defeated incumbent Darlene Harris. We've got Bobby here with us today to talk a little bit about the campaign and about his plans for the future. Bobby, thanks for coming in. All right. Thanks for having me. So um, this wasn't your first run at the seat. You've... Um, you know, you've 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 had a you've had a couple of experiences under your belt against Darlene, correct? Mm-hmm. What was uh, what was different going in this time? Do you think for yourself, and why did you decide first of all to give it another whirl? Yeah, this time was there was a lot of different factors going yeah. into it. Um, you know, especially a lot of different uh, people that were interested in the race. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, really, we were having the same conversations that we were in 2015 when I ran. So a lot of the door knocking that we did this time, a lot of those same conversations were the same. Um, and that's really what drove this to do this again. Yeah. Because in 2015, we had a lot of those conversations. It's just, you know, now we're in 2019 or I guess it was 2018 going into this election. It really felt like nothing had changed. Right. And we were hearing the same, uh, the same stories from people and just really wanted to make a difference. And, um, the, the incumbent, um, Darlene Harris, I mean, most people can, (laughs) you probably don't even need to do a quick Google to, um, kind of uh take a look at, at at Darlene's, you know, career on city council. Um she's definitely she's, you know, prided herself on constituent service, but she's also had an interesting time, an interesting uh an interesting uh tenure on council to say the least. Um and I think that for those of us that watch these elections, I think that there has been a feel for a while that we were surprised that that this didn't happen sooner um because again there are darlene harris uh, in my opinion is very much a this is who i am mm. take it or leave it kind of a situation mm. and um people people stayed with that for for some time mm. was there anything in particular this time through that you think um maybe moved people more toward um because you didn't just i mean it wasn't a it wasn't a it wasn't a slim margin i mean you mm. captured almost 57 percent of the vote any one thing or two things this time that was that was really different? Do you think? Yeah, a couple. Uh, SEIU thirty two BJ played yeah. a big role in. They have one hundred and fifty members um, from their so the service workers union. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of janitors and and also security guards and uh, food service workers yeah. that live in the district. Uh, they really wanted to uh, make you know they wanted their voices to be heard this time, and so they played a big part in it as well. Um, but you know, also, I had an opponent last time that now supported me, uh, which was Randy's daughter. So last right. time we split the vote. And so it was really nice to have that all come together at the end. Sure. Uh, combined with a lot more people who were on the ground, door knocking to make sure that, you know, we were really going to um, win. And we right. Were gonna, when we were going to win big. Right. And I mean, that 
you know, to, uh, you know, what we did in 2015, we really just capitalized on what we started. Yeah. Because a lot of people know, and a lot of people said, you know, you've been working so hard at this, you know, this is your year. Type thing. And of course you're, you're going to be, you're, you always, as a candidate, you want to be confident going in, but did you, did you think it would be this large of a margin or at least a larger margin than it wasn't just going to be sort of a, a, you weren't just going to slip by. It was going to, you felt like it was going to be an overwhelming, it's a mandate really is what it was. Did you, did you have that feeling going in? We did have a really great feeling going in. Um, but I have to say, you know, two weeks out, we were looking at where, where we might be. And it was a bit, uh, it was a bit unreal to think yeah. that, that it would actually come true. So uh, election night was, was uh, something, you know, totally different. I've never experienced anything like that. Right. I don't know if the North Side's really, um, you know, saw a win like that in a long time. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, but I mean, I have to say to Darlene's credit, like she has stuck to, you know, who she is. And, right. And, and what she does. And I believe she's done good for the district. Sure. Um, I just think that, you know, we, we differ on, you know, what we would do in the future. Right. And, and obviously, I mean, there, there are two roles. Um, of, I mean, there are a lot of roles for a city councilor, but there, there, in terms of service, there are, there, there are two, two really two main, two main alleys of service. What's best for your district, but then you also have to be concerned with what's best for the city as a whole. And while it always kind of seemed to me over the years that, you know, Good for the north side. I feel like Darlene was there, but I feel like there were some times that it was almost, almost just sort of um, she was secluded in the north in terms of not really worried too much about what was going to benefit the city as a whole. Do you have that feeling at all? Well, or? it really seems like we're living in a period where incumbents really need to yeah uh, uh, continue to remain um, continue to understand their constituents. Mm-hmm. Uh, the north side. You know, I didn't keep track of every different change that happened, but it definitely feels like just in general, even in Allegheny County, what right. had happened recently with, with that election. Um, you know, just that you can, really can't lose touch with your constituents. So, and that's the thing. I think that especially new people that move in, they want to make sure that you're visible. And um, I think people really do like bike lanes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I don't think people are as scared of, right. uh, of the mayor as, as I was told on the sure. north side. Really? You know? Um, and we'll, we'll definitely, we'll definitely talk a little bit about, uh, uh, Mayor Bill Peduto here in a second for sure. Um, but I want to go to the bigger point that you just talked about. So last was last year we saw, we saw it happen at the state level. We saw two entrenched incumbents, both happened to have the last name Costa. Um, they were, they were ousted by, you know, two political newcomers. We had, again, as I said, we had Bethany Hallam, uh, in Allegheny Council, John, I mean, John DeFazio, I mean, he's, he's been the only Democratic county councilor at large that this county has known since this form of government was put in place. And um, she got in there and she managed to, you know, to, uh, to, to, to take a pretty handy victory. And one of the things I noticed was, and I would have thought that maybe some incumbents would have noticed this from the Costa races last time. There's still, there's not a, there's not a, 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 seems to be an they don't seem in a hurry to really get in front of their constituents head to head with their candidates. I'm not talking about a knockdown drag out debate, but you know, just to sort of have at least a head to head talk about the issues. And that seems to be something that I don't know. How effective do you think that is or how important do you think that is to that, that, that they get in front of the voters and, and sort of plead their case? Cause I feel like that's something they haven't done. Yeah. Well, 
I'm not familiar with every single um, absolutely uh, campaign that sure. Because you know, I have to I have to tell you, like the way I've been a part of campaigns is really grassroots. And when I mm-hmm. when I talk about grassroots, I mean every day after work, I'm going and I'm knocking doors. I mean, there's just no rest. And you know, I'm not familiar with you know maybe some of those other races where they would have mm-hmm. overcome um, you know someone who has incumbency for a while. But you know, I think that we're living in a time where there's a lot of factors that go into running for yeah. Um, you know, running for a seat. So, you know, we have social media, uh, we have different events, we have, we have different, um, you know, the way you knock, the way you knock doors Mm -hmm. is you could be a little more, you could be new at it, or you could be, you know, like myself coming off of 2015, like I'm eager to talk to voters at the doors and to really understand where we're going to really find a, like a, you know, where we're going to align and where we might not. And I think that, that there's always been this, I mean, you obviously, you had union support. There's no doubt about that, but you also had community support. Obviously you had, you had constituent mm-hmm. support and, um, paraphrasing a quote by John DeFazio. And I don't mean to, that was a race, I guess that I was covering. So I was really sort of looking at that one. Um, he said something like, you know, I'm not really sure what happened at this point. I've, I had my support in place. Um, but one of those, you know, I think when people, I think there's always with long time incumbents, especially, if they have the endorsement, if they have um, sort of the party chairs backing them, if they have, mm. you know, um, some of the say, unions and different different, you know, organizations, I think they feel like they've they've made their connections. And yeah, I think we're still finding out what we, you know, we don't. Um, I'm not sure if we really know what our political structure is. Sure, but, you know, if the if the committee's endorsement, you know, if all of them lost this time, um, is that what happened? I don't know if think, all of them, I don't know if all of them lost this yeah. time, but yeah, but in the, in the, well, no, yeah. yeah, I'm just thinking through, right. But, but, but just com- in general, yeah. like one of these bigger ones, you know, people are probably wondering like, you know, why is sure. that and how did it happen? And just like the quote that you mentioned. And so I think people are, are seeing that, um, you know, we, we may need to rethink on, on who is really guiding our, our political influence. Right. And I think that, I mean, important to, important to note that, um, Mayor Bill Peduto didn't have the, the the times he ran previously. He didn't have a party endorsement. Um, it had gone to it had gone to. Well, I, when he was when he was the time the time he was elected, it was um, his competitor had dropped out of the race, and they decided not to to name. Uh, they decided not to endorse. But previous to that, I mean, he won. Folks like Bruce Krause in the past, they've won without endorsements, and right. so. I think you're right. I think that there is a there is a need to look at the system, uh, maybe the, the county endorsement uh, process a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of people, even their community group, they they're, they they want to be involved, and they're they're not sure how um, you know really if they can make the meeting. Yeah, you know, a lot of these people that are really invested in in voting, you know, they work two jobs. Maybe right. they don't, they're not able to make it to the right. community meeting. Uh, what does it really take to to be a committee person, yeah, you know, to get the, you know, to go and vote for the endorsement. Some people really aren't, um, you know, that tapped into it. So, and I don't know if they, I don't know if they would be based on, based on these results. Right. You know, it's interesting. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things that I think that <laughs> I don't know when we'll figure it out or when we'll see exactly be able to really pinpoint as to, you know, what's working, what needs to change or what, but it's, it's, there's definitely change happening. I guess now the, 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 the thing is to put your finger on what it is and try and bottle it, I guess, for other yeah. candidates. Yeah. Yeah. I really see a lot of, um, 
lot of a lot of honesty this you know yeah. in, in this day and age. I think that's I think that's you know transparency and honesty. Right. I think people really want to see like the real story behind things, right. and they really want to know uh, more about you. Um, it, not because it's about the candidate, but mm-hmm. just like that you're relatable, that right. you're a real person, that you're not just going to be behind a desk and you're going to be in the in the community yeah. and you're going to be out there talking to anyone and everyone. When did you, uh, when would you say that you sort of got the, the bug to sort of be involved in, um, in the election process, but also just the civic process in terms of, um, you know, community involvement and so forth. What was sort of the onus for you to kind of get involved on a larger level and and run for office? Well, I have to say, I I was fortunate enough to be a part of uh, Sarah Hines house. Mm -hmm. It's a boys and girls club on the North side. And, uh, just today I saw the person who, um, he was a, he was, he was a staff person there and he, we had this, uh, different organization it was called like the lead team. And then there was also the Keystone club. So there was these different organizations that I was able to be a part of when right. I was like 14. And I can't say that I was ever the best leader. <laughs> um, and these are people who, you know, would help you along the way. Yeah. And I think I was fortunate enough to be a part of those, those early younger, uh, groups. And, uh, I say, I still stay in touch with I me. Mean, those are my my best friends, you right. know, people that were in those groups with me. So people like that, I stay in touch with and, and, you know, it's, it's carried on into what I want to do in the community and what we have been doing. And so that's, you know, that's something that, uh, I think is really important. So, you know, there's a lot of people are wondering in the, in the, in these different forums, like, what would you do for, you know, the youth and right. everything. And so I think back to those days and how I was fortunate enough to be a part of an organization like that. And then how do you decide to, um, take the insane step and put yourself out in the public to actually run for office. Is that, was, was that just a, you felt somebody had to do it type of situation or was there? Yeah. I mean, I think it was a process. I think in 2011, I definitely felt uh, less comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, yeah. it was like, you know, I, I think on the North side, we, a lot of us saw Luke Ravenstall right. and what he was able to do and, you know, new leaders, new younger leaders. And, you know, I think, you know, that was big. I think that was big for yeah. the North side. Right. And, you know, in a way that, you know, I saw that and, um, you know, I can't say that we, that we align, you know, right. a lot, right. but just in general, just that, you know, it's possible for someone who wants to be involved that they could really, yeah. you know, put themselves out there, go through the process, uh, put in the hard work. And, you know, I think that, I just tried to carry that on for 2015. Yeah, became more and more involved in my community, and then now more and more involved as you know more than I was before. Right. Um, one more thing on the election that uh, we'll talk about. We'll talk a little bit about the district. Um, so one thing there there was a lot of there was a lot of um, I don't know why I want to say a lot of hay made. I don't know. I don't use that expression, but there was a lot of hay made about the fact that uh, Mayor Bill Peduto um, mm-hmm. came out and endorsed you. Um, Talk a little bit about that. Is that an endorsement that you sought out? How did that all come about? And how do you, and I know there were some critics who, you know, of course, I mean, Dar, as we all know, Darlene Harris didn't have the best relationship <laughs> with the mayor. And that's probably the, the, the most polite way to, to, to describe the relationship, I think. Um, so how did that all come about? And did you have a worry that folks might um, kind of say, okay, now is this guy indebted to the mayor kind of a thing? So mm-hmm. how did that all work? Yeah, I mean, I had this endorsement in 2015, mm-hmm. and you know, I was continuing to work hard and want to make sure that, you know, we were going to come back with the same message mm-hmm. in 2019 about 
you know, get more of our fair share. And that's what I really believe is that the North side really deserves to be a part of the larger growth that's happened in the city. Uh, but we still gonna need to make sure there's a place for everyone. Yeah. But I think that, I think that, you know, the pair want the, the mayor wants a, a partner on the North side and, and that's important. And I think that, I think that that shows now with the results that, I mean, that is right. That is what, I mean, there's nothing wrong with trying to, you know, make better relationships. Sure. And I think, I think the whole city can benefit from that. Right. Um, what, uh, do you, do you think from, from, from viewing the relationship between Darlene and Bill Peduto, do you think that that, that, that hurt the, that that hurt the, the district in the past, however many years, I mean, there's no way, I mean, he's, you know, they've, they've been at it for a while, but you know, and she, where, where she maybe had Lou Gravenstahl's mm-hmm. ear slash back, um, did you have you have you did you notice that the north side was maybe losing out on some things because of that tension? Well, what I can say is I did pick up on how certain community groups might want something done. Yeah. And uh, they may see a they may see a path with the mayor's office mm-hmm. and said they may want to talk to them directly. And that may have, you know, that that could have caused some some, uh, you know, maybe some little bit of animosity or, or sure. maybe just some confusion. Right. You know, it's just how we're really supposed to get stuff done on the north side. Right. You know, can we just go straight to the mayor's office or are we going to ask the, the councilwoman to, to help us out? Right. Um, to carry our message to the mayor's right. office. And so I think that's 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 a real difference that we can um, that we can make this time is that I can be the person on the ground on the north side, really carrying the messages of all or carrying the needs of all the, the different community groups and making sure that, you know, like we're getting it done yeah. together. The north side, of course, is a very it's a diverse neighborhood. A lot of different, a lot of different folks. A lot of different um, neighborhoods up there. Um, what are some of the What are some of the connecting issues that you see in the north side that um, that need dealt with? Yeah, I think we just have an overabundance of abandoned houses. Yeah, and you know there were so many people that were uh, living in these properties, and now now they're just left. Uh, I mean, there are some that have been on the books for fifteen, twenty years, yeah. and multiple in a row. And these are really holding back some of our neighborhoods because whether or not you look at that as blight, I mean, it's really speaking to someone who needs better housing, but also that we need more if, if we're going to just going to have better green space, if, yeah. um, you know, if, if it's going to be repaired in a way that's affordable or even some, you know, we always can't, you know, what, what was public, we should be able to control. Yeah. But some of this that's private, you know, we're not going to be able to control. And so we need to use like all these tools that we can to make sure that these spaces are turned into spaces that the community wants. Absolutely. You're listening to the Pittsburgh current podcast, uh, live today from Beachview. As always, we're here with uh presumptive, uh, Pittsburgh city council for district one, Bobby Wilson. We're talking about the election. We're talking about the North side. Um, so how long have you been, how long have you been on the North side? Are you a, a, a lifelong guy? Yeah, I'm a lifelong yeah. guy. I, um, yeah, so I went to like Northview Heights Elementary sure. School, and just went to like city schools. I did go away to Shaler for a couple of years. <laughs> I, w- I went to Shaler for eleventh and twelfth grade. So. Okay. But then I went to uh, Edinburgh for yeah, yeah. I went to Edinburgh. You knew about that? I, well, I oh, I didn't know about that, but I know Edinburgh. My okay. my niece go my niece plays softball okay, yeah. for Edinburgh, so it's well, a great I, school. Yeah, it's a yeah. Great so I was there for maybe like a year and a half. Yeah, and then I I studied abroad in Poland for yeah. six months. And then when I came back, I transferred the pit and I've really been there ever since because I went to, um, I went to, uh, undergrad, I finished up undergrad there Yeah. and then I did a master's program there and then 
um, I work there now. Yeah. So yeah. I really spent a lot of time in, in Oakland. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when I was in, cause I went to Frick, um, international studies yeah. Academy when it was a middle school. Mm-hmm. And then I went to, went to Shanley for ninth and 10th grade. And then now I'm back, you know, while, while I was at Pitt and now I'm back working for Pitt. So there's this, um, there's this, uh, Chinese restaurant called Sichuan Express. Yeah. Uh, you know about it? I, I know. I, I know. Yeah, I know where it is. Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, I've been going there ever <laughs> since I was in sixth grade. That's great. I think they've changed ownerships, but I, you know, I love it. Well, you never know that short time in Shaler, that could be the, uh, that could be the springboard to the governor's mansion because of course, <laughs> Tom Corbett, of course, turned Shaler into a dream come true for himself and a nightmare for a lot of the rest of us. Um, <laughs> so, uh, we, let's, let's talk some about some of the, some of the neighborhoods in particular, um, and some of the things going on uh, in terms of growth. Obviously, Deutschtown is is a neighborhood that is that has grown and is continuing to um, sort of rehab itself. Um, you know, you've got you've got a lot of good things happening on East Ohio Street, and you've got mm-hmm. you know there's still some still some work to do. You know, obviously, mm-hmm. things like the Deutschtown Music Festival are coming in, and then um, you know Mexican War Streets. I know as always has been a has been a great neighborhood. Um, some of these, some of these larger neighborhoods, and then neighborhoods like Manchester and so forth. What do, what do you see as needs for for these residents in in some of these north side neighborhoods, or, or which neighborhoods have the most pressing needs? Do you think? Uh, definitely areas like Marshall Shaylin. Yeah, I mean, the areas you mentioned, uh, they are they have been experiencing a lot of uh, a lot of growth. Yeah, in these past years, in these past in this past decade, but there's definitely been some areas like Marshall Shaylin, um, also like Northview Heights. Yeah, you know there is. You know, there's a there's a lot of need there, but there's also uh, Spring Garden, right? Yeah, there's parts of Spring Garden that are that are uh, you know they they're experiencing a lot of. I mean, they have so much potential. Yeah, and that's kind of like what a lot of people are focusing on. Right, and they should be rightly so, because um, you know with everything's happening, you know in the east, and people are concerned about people being displaced. Like that, those are our concerns as well. Right, and so you know all these areas that have a lot of, have a lot of need. Um, you know, the story is, or, or the, the, the constant reminder sure. is make sure that you have everything in place, uh, so that we're, you know, we're not, you know, the, the East end. Yeah. Make way. those protections. Yeah. So residents are, and, and what kind of development do you, is it, is it, is it improving the housing stock or is it, um, improving this, the housing stock so it's still affordable, of course. Um, or, or, or is it, is it businesses moving in? What, what kind of things are like, I was just, I was actually just in Spring Hill, mm-hmm. for example, oh, um, yeah? looking at You're a, checking out my house, <laughs> <laughs> maybe <laughs> looking at a, uh, yeah, like, looking, at a, looking at a, looking at a, at a, at a building it was a, it was a, a great old church is being rehabbed, um, up uh, there. Oh yeah. I, I think it's spring, spring, spring Hill or spring garden. So one of the two springs church. Yes, it was. Uh, yeah. Anyway, it was a great building. Anyway, there's a lot of there's a lot of the development going on up there. So how do you make sure as a council person that it's done responsibly? Yeah. Making sure that you're working first with the people in the community that are carrying these concerns because, mm-hmm. you know, they're right. They're right to, to be concerned about all this. And I think that that's what the council person should be doing is making sure that, you know, everyone in these neighborhoods are being heard and and that they're they're, you know, there's, they have someone that can, they can work with. And so, you know, I plan to be that person because, um, you know, not, not that the, the last council person wasn't sure, you know, doing what they should be, but, you know, moving forward, 
having someone that's being very transparent about what's going to happen yeah. and making sure that everyone's included. I mean, you know, working with our state senator to make sure that we have uh, low-income housing tax credits and that we're really, we're really put, you know, making sure mm-hmm. we're really lobbying for these for these funds that we can, um, you know, just we're able to get extra tools so we can so make it more affordable for people. You know, and then also I keep hearing how I was just talking to someone the other day and, yeah. and they live in the district and they were saying, you know, it is affordable. My daughter was looking at a house and, you know, they there was ones for 70000 and that's affordable. And, you know, I think that is affordable for a lot of people. Right. But I think the question is, like, where are those houses and could we put that together for people um, on a platform that they can um, easily get to right. when they're, you know, when they're looking to finally buy? I think we need to tie these these houses, but also uh, some new developments that are going to really support um, people who are making, you know, not that much money. Right. You know, people that are working on, you know, $30,000 a year. I mean, they should be able to, you know, if we get them into a home ownership program, mm-hmm. you know, support the, ha- the, the closing cost, uh, they could really be a homeowner. And, you know, because that's really what the Pittsburgh was built on. They were right. built on people that made, you know, money like that. And, you know, they shouldn't be displaced at all. And, and that's, and you mentioned earlier about the dilapidated properties. That's one of the things too, because you don't want to, you know, a nice home that goes for $70,000 next to three homes that, that need to be torn down because they're in, they're in such bad conditions. So I mm-hmm. guess it's working hand in hand in those things to, to rehab as well as. Yeah. This housing opportunity fund can provide a lot, you know, um, so there's going to be money for repairs, but also money for closing costs but really we need to we need to even go further because yeah. there are programs within the uh, housing authority that can help people you know who are living in northview heights um you know what's the path for them to home ownership and you know there was a you know there's a lot into a home that you know you have to do like every every weekend you gotta you know do a little bit of maintenance here and yeah. there and so you know there's a lot more than just like okay here's the money and this is what you need to do right. to, to own the home and then once you get it to you know, make sure it's being kept up and everything. Right. So, you know, um, unfortunately, there are people that have very low opportunity, and they have never, you know, maybe realized some, some you know, some of these aspects of home ownership. Right. So, there really needs to be a full uh, program that's going to really encompass like all an education of, all, all component of or education component on the side of that. That's yes, it's a good idea. Um, because yeah, I mean, there's a lot of it's just you know, it's it's like when you're in high school, and you know, I feel like personal finance is something that should be taught before you're sort of set out in the world. And, you know, you and your, your pristine credit all of a sudden can get, you know, a credit card and have no idea how to deal with that kind of thing. So it's just, there needs to be an education component. So, so people understand everything you're getting into property taxes, all of that stuff. I think it's uh, definitely a need. Yeah. So I know it's still, I mean, I I know there's still, there's technically still a general election. Um, (laughs) <laughs> to to go through, I guess there could be a write in or something like that. But have you given have you given much thought um, as to what your kind of first six months, first three months priorities are going to be? Yeah, in office. Yeah, we really need to make sure that we're building legislation that is really going to make sure that people who mm-hmm. need access to these opportunities that they're actually going to be the ones who yeah. are gonna benefit from it. So it's so we can't have oh great we have the money. Um, you know, here, you know, come to this community meeting and, and you can, you can access it or you can learn more about it. You know, the people who need this the most, these are the people who are, um, you know, working those two jobs and they have, you know, two, three kids 
and maybe single parent. Yeah. So, you know, someone's going to ha- have to come to their door. So I really want to build legislation that is, you know, based around, uh, based upon, you know, that premise that we're really going to make sure that the people who need it the most are going to get it. Um, and just uh, as we're wrapping up the Pittsburgh current podcast here from, uh, I, don't, I guess it's, rain, it's raining, everybody, it's raining. I'll stop saying that it's raining, but it's raining. Um, <laughs> we're here with, uh, we're here with Bobby Wilson, the presumptive city, Pittsburgh city councilor for district one on the North side. Last week in the primary, he defeated uh, incumbent Darlene Harris with about 57% of the vote. So um, what, um, what was that? I just wanted to kind of get some thoughts from you, maybe share a little bit. Um, what was that night like for you? Again, you have a, you have a feeling going in, but when you sort of get the, when you see the numbers going the way they're going, when you eventually get the call from, from Councilperson Harris, um, what starts to set in your mind? I mean, what, what, what sort of feelings do you, do you have in, the, in those moments? Uh, we've worked so hard yeah. in that campaign and a lot of people, you know, a lot of people really have congratulated us that way saying you ran a great campaign. Yeah. You got everyone really worked really hard and it was just so great to be there with everyone who was a part of it and to really see it all come together across every ward. We want every ward and, you know, just seeing that the support was everywhere yeah. and not just in one place and that it was really, a, you know, people were ready for that change. And, uh, I mean, it was, it was really unreal because, you know, the district's so different. Right. And there are so many different neighborhoods. And so to really go out and have a campaign that's going to touch each neighborhood and reach out in a way that, you know, people know, like people know who I am and people know, you know, what we're, what we want to do and really just to bring it all home at the end. It was incredible. And, and finally, what, what do you, what do you tell somebody who's maybe been thinking about making a run for elected office um, or maybe someone who's tried a couple of times and they aren't sure if they're ready to try it, you know, once more or twice more. What is your advice to those folks? It's really going to come down to hard work. Yeah. You know, I mean, if it depends on the race, Yeah, you know, for these local races, you can go out and you can knock every door, but you know, for the larger ones, it's probably gonna have to be a a bigger like Facebook platform, Twitter platform. Um, You're really going to have to work hard at that. I mean, I would go back to saying just just be yourself yeah. because I think more and more we see, you know, even with the with the national stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, people were just being themselves and, you know, letting them know, letting everyone know that they're approachable. Yeah. And I think that's really what people want. You know, people want to know that, you know, it's it's no more of the, you know, everyone's got to look the part in the suit. Uh, right. You know, that they're really going to be. And that's what I want to do. I want to be in the district making sure that, you know, people are being heard. So, you know, having office hours in the, in the district is going to be important. Absolutely. You know, I think people see that. Yeah. People know when you're, people know when you're, when you're present and when you're present around election time, I guess it's, it's, it's people, people notice the difference of, of how people know how active you are. Mm-hmm. Yes. Fantastic. Bobby Wilson, thank you so much for joining us today. The latest episode, uh, latest episode, the latest issue of the Pittsburgh Current is available on our retail retail racks and our boxes. It is um, our Pride issue. We've got some coverage of the People's Pride. We've got a listing of um, events going on for your Pride Month, as well as a look at the Three Rivers Arts Festival, which is also coming up. Um, This has been the Pittsburgh Current Podcast. Thanks a lot for joining us. Uh, Have a great day.
is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.